Welcome into Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is September 17th. It is Scott Magnus's birthday. And this is episode 254. My name is Jake English. And I am the birthday boy. And on this week's show, we'll go around the bases to scrape the bottom of the barrel and find some sort of Orioles content to talk about. And we'll also do stuff and... Something else. Probably some more stuff. And and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Uh, Jake, 2018 has been particularly dark. It has. Uh, and has been filled with uh, ghosts of Orioles past mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how poorly they performed. Um and we're entering into the fall season, um, as you know, based off my beer selections and liquor selections from the past few weeks. So, Jake, uh, I've uh, selected Fear from Flying Dog Imperial Pumpkin Ale because nothing can describe the 2018 season more than Fear. Oh, I thought that was a Bob Woodward selection. Yes. Uh, I am drinking a Loose Cannon oh. by Heavy Seas. Have you had that one before? It is my favorite beer. Oh, yes. If you are interested in what we are drinking profusely at Scott's birthday party, for instance, uh, follow us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E. Four zero two five. I'm at M A G N eight six zero six. Do you have anything at my birthday party that just screamed at you? That Moscow Mule that I had was interesting. No, no, I just stuck with some favorites. I think I had a a rar from a rar, rar, a Groove City rar. No, no, it was from Nantico Nectars. Oh, it was Nanto. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, nothing else jumped out at me. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, dabble on over to the medical wing. Ah, uh, yes, the medical wing. Scott, I'm, I'm having difficulty focusing on the text in front of me. I'm, I'm feeling a little woozy, and I'm, I'm, I'm unable to really remember what it is that we're doing here. Sure. So we talk here about uh, players that have been injured in the past week and uh, when they're going to return to the Baltimore Orioles and contribute. That was a Chance Cisco joke with his concussion protocol. Oh. Because I'm terrible. Okay. Chance Cisco. You took a chance at it. I did. I did. Uh, Chance Cisco uh, took a ball off the face uh, from the catcher's position there, and he was uh, removed from protocol uh, for concussions. And he's, I guess, still not day to day, but had the we'll chin see. laceration, was bleeding pretty profusely. They couldn't get the blood stopped during the game as well. Um, you know, sometimes you lose, sometimes you wins. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> um, also <laughs> of note, uh, we've got some starting pitcher woes. Alex Cobb uh, has apparently been using his middle finger too much. He's got a blister or some sort of abrasion there. Yeah. Um, I do not expect to see a whole lot of Alex Cobb from here on out. How about you? Uh, I think Alex Cobb is potentially done for this season. Mm. That's a shame. That is a shame. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Kashner, same deal, different thing. Left knee discomfort. Oof. 
That's a little bit more concerning. He underwent an MRI on September 13th. He received received a cortisone shot. Um, I think he's done, too. He's done for the season. All right. Do you you worry about that as far as being prepared for next season? I do, actually. I I worry significantly about whenever you see knee discomfort, there's a question of how long does that linger into his uh, rehab and uh, his ability to condition for the offseason? Do you have to? Do you have to let it linger? Um... I feel like there's a joke in there. <laughs> yeah. So starting pitching, uh, a serious problem. And then a bunch of other guys that don't matter. Are we talking about Wilson Phillips? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, yeah, there's nothing else That's here. The cranberries. How was it? Yes. You would be terrible at deep tracks tonight. Yeah. Whatever. That was such a great segment idea. And I was so bad at it. You were so bad at it. It was absolutely horrible. You should find a much better podcast to do that. on. But yeah, I mean, Alex Cobb, Andrew Kashner going out uh, for the season uh, really is exemplifying what we're seeing tonight on Monday's night's game where they were also turned to their 40 man roster and are left with nothing. And I feel like we're going to see a lot of games like this going forward where um, it's going to be a lot of Bowie and Norfolk um, standing up and seeing what they can do. They're the bad rays. And that's saying something. Yeah, they they it just goes to show that you can't just throw a bunch of quadruple A players out there and hope for the best. Um the Orioles are in trouble for the rest of the season. Just like they were for the entire 2018 season. <laughs> I was gonna say that was an opening day comment that we've just reused the whole season. Every every episode, yes. Uh you want to go to two hundred and eighty characters or less? I don't want to, but it's tradition, so yeah. let's do it. This, this week. week on the Twitters. Uh, I'm going to start with a tweet from uh, Eduardo Encina at Eddie in the Yard with a link to his article that says here, well, an article, it's a uh, it's a Bleacher Report style uh, slideshow. Here are the Orioles' most embarrassing statistics of this season. And I'll tell you, uh, an event like this, it's, you know, it's well worth your time. It's worth doing just running through the slideshow and reviewing the Orioles' lowlights. Lean into the suck, guys. It's here. It's real, and it is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, this next tweet comes from a comment regarding, uh, this is from Dan Shaughnessy. It was, are the Red Sox really selling first 100 shirts at Fenway tonight? Please tell me this isn't true or send photo to verify. And this followed by, this is Birdland tweeting at O's underscore Birdland. Hey, where is her first 100 at Red Sox? I love this tweet. <laughs> I literally did a spit take when I read this tweet the first time. And my wife yelled at me and asked me what was wrong with me. I showed her the tweet, and then she laughed, and I was safe. This is a good tweet. That's good. Hat tip. Yeah. All right, this next tweet is the one in which Scott has all of the opinions. Uh, John Mioli, who, of course, uh, writes for the Baltimore Sun and tweets at John Mioli, Buck, where Adam is concerned, I and the organization have always wanted to play him. Hashtag Orioles. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you about this because yeah. you have been on the Twitters. Yeah. And you have been vocal about the Adam Jones situation. Uh, lay it on me. What are you most dissatisfied with about the organization's handling of Adam Jones's playing time? Um, is Adam Jones a good player? Yeah. Is he better than Joey Rickard? Yes. Does Joey Rickard have a role on this team come next year? Um, yes. Okay. Okay. He won't be playing left field. Okay. And he won't be playing right field. 
but he could be playing outside of those positions on the stool with the helmet and the glove. So there was a, a lineup change today, and I believe it was was it Jonathan Valar came out of the lineup? I think it was. No, it was Bravik the Destroyer. Oh, Bravik came out of the Destroyer. Okay, so Valera came out of the lineup, uh, and it indicated that Rickard was in the lineup in replacement of Valera. And I'm like, holy crap, they finally did it. They're putting Rickard into the infield to see if he can do something. And I had all these images, and then I looked at the lineup. I was like, oh, no, they, they rearranged the lineup to basically put him back in the outfield. But for a brief moment there, I thought Buck was basically saying, you know what? Screw, Screw this. Let's just do whatever we want to this point. Uh, I hear you. I would rather see Adam Jones than not. I think that the guys that they're trying out uh, aren't exceptional. I mean, I understand playing Cedric Mullins in center over Adam Jones in center. That That's a no-brainer. That makes sense. Sure. Uh, I don't get these other guys. Here's where I differ. Would I rather see Adam Jones than not? Yes. Am I bent out of shape about it? No. And maybe that says more about me and in the negative than it does about the Orioles. I think it does. I think it says <laughs> everything about you being the negative. I want to see Adam Jones play every single position before the season. He's got to play shortstop. Yes. It has to happen. Yes. No question about it. All right. Our next tweet comes from Eddie Matz who uh, tweets at ESPN Eddie Matz, the Orioles attendance here at A's slash Orioles 9,141 is the smallest September crowd in the history of Camden Yards. Smallest September crowd. And look, I get that they've played a fanless game. Yes, I'm all over that. But it makes me wonder how few people have ever been in that ballpark. To You're not talking game. paid attendance. Right. I'm talking how many people outside of that one game. Okay. What's the smallest crowd do you think has ever been there? Because we were just talking about this for Monday night's the 17th game. The team is terrible. Yep. The Blue Jays are not that interesting an opponent. Yep. It's raining. How many people do you think are actually physically present? 200 people. Woof. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. Uh, Jake. I want to break all the rules. Break them. So you know how we normally put tweets in here and we kind of read off of them? Sure. I've got one that I favorited because I feel like I have to say it. This tweet comes from Pete Abraham, at Pete Abe. And this tweet goes as follows. Mets fans hardly join in for Sweet Caroline, and now everybody is chanting, Yankees suck. Fenway Park is basically the UN. I didn't realize that they ushered racial slurs at the UN. Uh, Yeah. I read that tweet. I laughed. I passed it over. That's a good pickup, Scotty. Yeah. Well, well done. Just want to make sure that I, I covered that one. Okay, Scotty, I want to help a brother out. Yeah. All right. This this podcast gives us so many opportunities to do. Um, what do we What do we get out of this podcast? Well, it gives us the opportunity to you know for self promotion to to beg for things. I'm going to take a minute and beg for something for one of our friends, uh, Charlie Hoppus, dear friend of the program, dear friend. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who said he was a friend of our program? <laughs> I believe it, I heard it on the Orioles Spastics. Okay. It must be true. Uh, an all-around good guy who tweets at Charles Hoppus. Tweets as follows. Willing to buy one of these Orioles giveaway hoodies. L or XL, please. And uh, he, he tweeted it at a couple of us. Birds IV BAL. KLD810. OBP Apparel. At Asian Megan. Help me someone. Yes. Someone help him. Look, Charlie is willing to buy this hoodie. But I tell you, Orioles fans, this community of fandom that we have, I believe in you. And I think that someone will not only make it so that Char Charlie gets a, a hoodie, I think someone will give 
Charlie a hoodie out of the goodness of their hearts. If you're listening out there, listener, Charlie needs you. This is his darkest moment, and it can only be satisfied by an L or XL Orioles hoodie giveaway. So if you have a hoodie out there and you'd be willing to trade it to Charlie Hoppus, please contact us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. If we have to make some kind of trade and or arrangement, we will do so. Scott is willing to render services. I am willing to render services because in reality, Jake, there is money in the banana stand. (laughs) All right. This next tweet comes from the, maybe it's 239. And this tweet comes from Michael Huntley at Mike Huntley 63. If Luis Ortiz is 230 pounds, then I'm a solid 185. Guy had to cover first base and acted like he ran an ultra marathon. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think that we may have the new Sidney Ponson on our hands going ahead with Luis Ortiz. I am very much looking forward to seeing El Fatso in the future with the Baltimore Orioles. Hey, if we can't be entertained by wins, we have to find it somewhere else. Totally. All right. The next tweet is one that I'm jealous of. I'm only bringing it up in this week in the Twitters because I wish that I had thought of it first, and I'm going to try to remember it the next time a similar situation happens. This comes from Jane Lee, who tweets at Jane MLB. The A's sent 15 to the plate in the third inning. They have a 10 to nothing lead, and for some reason, the rest of the game is going to be played. Mm. Mm. That's a good tweet. Yeah. Last from one comes from Robert Lang at WBL at reporter Robert Lang. Uh, he tweets as follows. I have been an Orioles fan all of my life, and I'm not sure how to fix this. And it's a picture of a partially filled Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I um, think that glass is half empty, my friend. Yeah. Um, suggestion, Robert Lang. Win. Yeah. Winning winning fixes that. Win. That That is exactly how you fix that. Robert Lang, you take your Mora Award, and you go burn it. Because if you can't figure that out, you don't deserve to have that Mora Award. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah, yeah. All right, why don't we go ahead and go around the bases once more as we slowly circle the bases for absolutely no one left in the stands or listening. That's right. It's time to go around the bases or, you know, circle the drain. One of the two. All right. So let's roll into first base. So, um, Jake, things are never as bad as they seem. We always can find some silver lining in the great terribleness, which is Birdland. So let's say some nice things about the Orioles and quickly in this segment. Um, nice things about the Orioles. They're very tall. No, um... I can tell you this, Scotty. Okay. They will not be the worst team in baseball history. Woo! After winning their 43rd game in, Oof. might I add, definitive style, they will not be the worst team in Major League Baseball history. That, of course, is the, uh, the Mets, the 62 Mets, and uh, we will not be that bad. And if we win another game, I think we tie uh, the uh, 
is it the O three uh, Detroit Tigers for also bad? I mean, we were just climbing right up those ranks and letting those other historic teams take the limelight. So, you know, this Orioles team, say what you will about them. They're not the worst dumpster fire that has ever fired dumpsters. Is there anything else good going with this team? Um, Charlie likes their hoodies. That's good. Um, I guess their giveaways have been pretty decent. Um, I always feel like giveaways during the September period are fairly strong. Uh, the dap cap they gave away on Sunday was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? I I will say this. I'm going to I'm 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 trying to embrace the the spirit of saying nice things. Uh they at least admit they have a problem. Do they? Yeah. I think How so. How have they admitted they have a problem? Well, they traded everything away that wasn't bolted down. Well, that's fine. That's like going and basically throwing away all your alcohol, but they went back to the bar immediately the next day. Okay. They've they've paid a little bit of lip service, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. They're like Dave Chappelle where they're like you got that crack? Jeez. Is that what they're like? That's exactly what they're like. Scotty, I'm hearing that you don't have very many nice things to say about this team. Look, there is really nothing great to say about this team right now. I mean, the product on the field is absolutely trash. Um, there's nothing to look forward in the future. Um, there is no direction for the future. Um, we saw that with the Ken Rosenthal article, which kind of just confirmed exactly what we had all suspected, which is there is no direction. You could see it if you paid for yeah. it. Major League Baseball is questioning who the heck is actually even running the Baltimore Orioles anymore. Um, yeah, it, it's it's beyond dumpster fire now. This is like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's the Hindenburg right now. It's just, it's in flames and it's like, oh, the humanity. Look, that was one of the most elegant landings in the history of, of flight. Yeah, I, I think you're not looking at it the right way, Scott. It's yeah, all about I perspective. I don't even know anymore. It's just so frustrating. But an encouraging news running into second base, the international market is heating up. Um, Victor Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr. have been declared free agents by Major League Baseball this past week. And the Orioles have been linked as a potential option for them, as we have discussed in the past. Um, Jake... If the Orioles miss out on Victor Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr., let's just focus on Victor Victor Mesa since he's actually the one that's important. And Victor Mesa Jr. is kind of the um, well, he he he's the booty prize basically. He's the Mesa sloppy second. Yes, exactly. Um, what are we going to think? Um, are we going to say, well, you know, it was too much to think that the Orioles could get something as good as Victor Victor Mesa, or is this more of a situation where we're going to look back and say? Man, that Kevin Gossman trade that they made was really bad. So uh, this would be the time for our our weekly Icarus reference. Yes. Um, well, let's let's look at this positively. Mm-hmm. There is a team that has a ton of bonus pool money mm-hmm. and a thriving uh, Cuban uh, American uh, population in the city, um, and, and a real uh, closeness to the community that is a surefire. Uh, target for the Mesa brothers. Oh crap! That's not Baltimore. Yeah. Um, what will I say if they don't land the jewels? Personally, your wife teaches a lot of Cuban Americans, so <laughs> don't be telling her that she doesn't do that. So, what will I say if they fail to land the jewel of the international free agent uh, period? Uh, it'll be business as usual. Mm-hmm. I will be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I will be disappointed because you know the the Orioles have been linked. Uh, to this guy, the baseball you know community has been saying uh, it makes a lot of sense. The Orioles have a ton of money. 
and they need him. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be, uh, failure is the wrong word, but it, it will definitely not back up the Orioles claim to care about the international market if they can't get this done. It will be the first of what I hope is not many bad signs. So are you expecting failure? Yes. Okay. Of course. Of course. Of course. But, uh, you know, they have, what, $6 million in pool money? Is that, is yeah, that the I right thing? Uh, like 6.25 or 6.5 million. Know. It's, I think, like t- a little over $2 million more than the Marlins. Can they, you know, let's say they miss out on, on VVM. Yeah. You know, can they have a, a quality international signing period while missing out on, on him? No. Okay. Okay. Going back to a conversation we had a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, they all run together. We'll have to be careful about setting, you know, these things up in win or lose, you know, all the chips are in type of deal, because otherwise we'll never be satisfied. I'm sorry. Are you saying that Orioles are going to set unrealistic uh, expectations for prospects that come in and we are going to consider them to be all-star slash Hall of Famers immediately after signing them? Well, yeah, but I'm also saying that we as fans, it's like, you know, if we don't get this... It's done. You know, kind of like, if we don't get Mark Teixeira, our offseason is trash. Oh, wait a minute. Both of those things were true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a bad example. But still, we should be careful. I'm trying to be positive here, Scott. So you're trying not to deal in absolutes. You're trying yes, to say... Yes, only, only Angelos's so you're, deal in You're saying there's, there's 50 shades of orange, basically. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but... What yeah. you're saying is only a Sith deals in absolutes. That's what I'm saying. Okay, gotcha. All right, coming into third base, um, we were talking about the attendance for this Monday night. Um, I'm assuming you didn't get into any games this past weekend. I did not. Okay. Uh, so, Jake, we there's a several games coming up. Um, the Orioles are going to be playing against the Yankees and the Red Sox and uh, the Astros. Jake, what will it take you to get back to the ballpark within the next two weeks? Um, I guess good friends asking me to go. You want to go back to the ballpark? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. What day you want to go? I don't know. Day that ends in Y. How about October 1st? Uh, what day of the week is that? Uh, I believe it's a Monday. No, I'm busy. I'm washing my hair. Okay. So, just it's not going to happen. <laughs> there is nothing that the team can do. But that, that's, the, that's the point I'm trying to make. That there is nothing that the team can do. Is to there make anything on the field that would incline you to say, I want to see that? No. No. Is there any inclination for you to say, I want to see Adam Jones in person for the last time? Yeah. I, I yes, I, I definitely, you know, am feeling a little bit of that. Look, I saw JJ Hardy's last game at mm-hmm. Cannon Yards. I knew, right? You and I went to go see, uh, say goodbye to Manny Machado, and we knew, yeah. right? We actually went to Chris Davis's last game. Oh wait, no, yeah, we thought that was going to be Chris Davis's last game. But yeah, I I would like to I would like to send the Cap Ten off in grand style. I think he deserves that, and he will he will go out with a whimper in a way that's just. Uh, you're the worst yes i would go back for adam jones okay so you would go back to watch the orioles play the astros in the final series of the season just to wave goodbye to yeah, the captain absolutely okay Ooh, idea okay let's go sit down in right field okay say section eight the one that juts out right there at the end of uh aka your favorite section. right field have some really obnoxious signs mm-hmm. you know big captain america uh signs i think that would be great all right there you go, folks. That's the only way you're going to drag me back to the ballpark. So Jake needs everyone to pull their money together, uh, get a Captain America uh, fat head, 
And uh, Jake will be there uh, to be obnoxious to uh, Adam Jones. Sounds like a great, great way to send him off. <laughs> it's a win. All right, let's uh, let's lumber into home base or home plate. Fall. I like home base better. <laughs> fall. Stand up and get tagged out right right before we oh, get so there. We're, we're jack custing it we basically. Are, we are accustomed to okay. custing. Um, so you know, looking through the quotes from Buckshow Walter over the past you know few weeks, and kind of seeing the whole lack of direction for the club. It certainly seems like the Buckshow Walter era is coming to an end. Um, there's no plan. Um, there's no kind of idea of what the future for holds, um, which is completely against what Buck has been for, you know, the past few years since he's come to Baltimore, which makes me think that Buck is basically saying, I'm not going to ruffle anything. I'm just going to, you know, gently sail into the night. Um, so, Jake, I asked you this question. Um, what will we take away from the Show Walter era? I think we'll look back on this, in my personal opinion, as, you know, this was a great uh, team. Um, but I think we're also going to look back on the Buckshaw Walter area, era and throw a lot of what-ifs out there. Sure, absolutely. I think, you know, we're going to come back and say, you know, what if the if, if Walter would have pulled uh, Zach Brayden out of the bullpen? What if, you know, uh, Buckshaw Walter wasn't so adamant about some of his, you know, veteran that you know had to constantly play out there what if buckshaw walter wasn't so tied to the closer role and always having to bring in the closer at a certain portion as opposed to the best pitcher and i think back to more like 2012 and 2014 when potentially like an andrew miller could have been pitching in a different scenario these are the kind of questions that i really think about of buckshaw walter is that old school manager and I'm wondering if we are eventually seeing a point of transition potentially in the future of saying maybe we won't see that old school manager. We've seen other teams move to a more of a new age slash analytical mind. I'm wondering if as part of this process, the Orioles are going to go in that same direction and not so much go for an old school manager um, such as a Showalter or Girardi, uh, but maybe go more with a younger individual that is more analytically minded and, uh, go by the numbers as opposed to the gut and the experience. So the one that burns me up from the what-if standpoint is you look back at 2012 and you look at the number of games that the starters played, and he, Showalter, needed to get every last inning out of his starters, Mm -hmm. right? And so you looked at guys like Adam Jones, you know, that played just about every game, right? And, And he had to do that because he was going neck and neck with the Yankees trying to you know, run his way out of 14 years of misery. And you kind of look at that and you say, okay, that's fine. And you could see though, from the results that the Orioles were flat when they got to the playoffs, you know, it's the type of deal where good hitting meets good pitching. And I get all that, but the Orioles prolific office offense was just silent in the playoffs. Um, And I think it was because they were tired. And I look back at 2014 and this is a team that won 96 games in the regular season. You probably had a margin of error that didn't require so much time from your starters. Sure. And you look back at the playoffs and and the offense was just as anemic. Um, and again, good pitching meets good hitting in the playoffs. And I, I get all that. But that's the thing that, that I think from a what if standpoint is, is the thing that will haunt me is that 2014 was the best chance they had. Sure. And so if they were a little more fresh, like going into – um, the playoffs in 2014, would it have been a different story? Cause you look back and it's like, you know, Ryan Flaherty was one of the best bats they had in the playoffs. And that's ridiculous. Um, that, I, I think that's the only thing I'm not, 
as broken up about the Zach Britton thing in the bullpen, because honestly, if they had gotten past the Blue Jays and the AL wild card, I didn't believe in that team to move forward anyway. Sure. I think the biggest question, you know, when we look at the show, Walter, era, again, immense success. But will we look back on it and say, uh, Show Walter was one of those individuals, like we thought when he first came in, who is very much set in his ways and was unwilling to change and or waver in his ways. And ultimately, that prevented him from potentially winning a World Series. I don't think that's what we'll remember. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, how well do you remember the 96, 97 teams? Very little. Yeah. I think you get 10 years removed, 12 years removed. All we'll remember about the Show Walter years is that we had a great team that couldn't quite get over the hump, but restored the team to relevance after a generation's worth of suck. And Buck Showalter was a good manager and quite a character. To be honest, I think that's what we'll remember. I tend to believe you what you're saying here. Um, I think that we're going to remember him as Weaver-esque. And I would say that, you know, you look back at Weaver's tenure and he had a lot of success, but he also had a lot of mm-hmm. really dumb things that he did, too. So I think that we're going to look back and saying, on the whole, I'd rather take the pauses. And yes, if I could change a few things about him, I wish I could change them. But in reality, he also made some really good moves during that time period um, that were very successful. Yeah, and I think... I hope that the next manager of the Baltimore Orioles is a new school guy. I really do. And I think that, uh, you know, looking back, we in, in the, you know, distant future, we'll look back at this period and say, Oh, the old school guys, Showalter was a pretty good one. Yeah. And Showalter is obviously in the Orioles Hall of Fame, right? Oh, totally. Completely. Okay. Completely. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it I, this year is so depressing because it's it's dragged his Oriole tenure under 500, sure. which is just horrific. Like, you know, again, we'll look back at the history books and we'll say, oh, well, that guy was under 500 in his time of the Orioles. Right. Right. How good was he? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's – we talked about that before. It's it's frustrating, but it is what it is. But, yeah, I think the Showalter era finally coming to a close. Hopefully we can all look back at it, as you said, in you know a few years and say – Overall, that guy did a pretty darn good job. And honestly, if they manage to do this rebuild in short fashion, you know, if it's only a couple of <laughs> <laughs> if it's only a couple of years, <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed I didn't get the job a laugh. Yeah. I really am. <laughs> if Han Han Han, they manage to do it in short order, uh, I think that the Showalter era will be even more prominent. You know, because it will be the thing that brought us back, and there was that that little blip afterward. But then we were back. If it's another ten years or whatever, we'll look at it as you know, it was, no, okay, it was an island in the a sea of misery. Yeah. So, Jake, let me ask you a question: How many baseball games have you actually watched this past week? I watched three. Really? I watched three baseball games this week. Oh, that's good because that will allow us to kind of prepare for our next segment. Jake, I remember when we used to do this. So we haven't done fantasy balls for, I believe it's coming up on 
14 weeks. That's because fantasies have died. So I went back to the numbers for the past 14 weeks. <laughs> and somehow I won the category. What was the category? It was hits. And uh, I believe you had Danny Valencia. Oh, crap. <laughs> and I had Adam Jones. No. Oh. <laughs> so um, Danny Valencia didn't do so well for the past few weeks. Okay. Surprisingly, Adam Jones only had two more hits, so. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Jake, the score is tied right now in Fantasy Boss. It's all tied up. So I thought for the next two weeks, in order to give people the enticing aspect to potentially watch this baseball team for the next two weeks and find out who would be crowned the champion of Fantasy Boss for the 2018 season. You know Derek Arnold is listening. <laughs> Derek Arnold has wood right now. <laughs> Jake, I ask you. What category are we choosing for Fantasy Boss? Oh, I get to pick the category. Oh, absolutely, because you lost. So, Oh, Scotty, that's a lot of pressure. Yes. I didn't even know we were doing Fantasy Boss this week. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let me do it this way. Okay. I'm going to get very specific. All right. I'm going to make it as difficult to count as possible. All right. You're welcome. If we're going to do Fantasy Boss... I would love to do Dongs After Dark. Okay. But there isn't that much time There's left. There's enough There's time. There's no West Coast trip. Right. So we're going to take it time. Okay. I'm going to say home runs, seventh inning, or afterward. Okay. So inclusive of the seventh inning. Yes. Afterward. Orioles, home runs. We're going to call those the Dongs After Dark okay. of the next two weeks. Hopefully, those are the home runs that matter the most. The ones that lead us to... Vi- no. They'll be late. So we're going to call these... Dusky dongs, dongs after dusk. Dongs after That's dusk. That's a good one. I dongs like after it. Dusk. Yeah, I like it. So, Scott, who is your pick for dongs after dusk? Well, Jake, I'm going to go ahead and choose Jonathan Villar for my dongs after dusk category. That is a great pick. That is a great pick. Um, on principle, I want to take. Bravik the Destroyer. Okay. But I don't think that I can I count no, on I'm sure that's a great idea. For that many dongs after dusk. Um, here's the problem here. Yeah. The obvious choice is Adam Jones, mm-hmm. but he's not getting any playing time. Right. The second obvious choice to me would be Trey Mancini. I also worry about his playing time. Yep. Uh, but I'm going to pick him. Okay. So I'm you're going to pick Trey Mancini and hope his mom is cheering on some dongs after dusk. That is exactly right. Okay. I just want to make sure we were categorizing that correctly. So, folks, for the next two weeks, we're going to be counting dongs after dusk. Home runs after the seventh inning. So, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Or or, or uh, later, you or know, later. if there's extra innings. Because if we want free baseball, it'll be there for dongs after dusk. And we're going to go Jonathan Villars for Scott. And we're going to go Trey Mancini. Boom, boom. And we'll see who wins Fantasy Boss. And with that, let's find out who is good, who is bad. And who was ugly? That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's get started. Good for this week for me is going to go to... Jeffrey Ramirez. Why? Well, I mean, he pitched two games this week and uh, one seven and third, 10.57 Ks per nine, 1.17 walks per nine, posted 1.17 ERA. Yeah, I'll take that from uh, Jeffrey. Lost, but uh, 
I'm not, shocked. This not, is my shocked face. Not, not a bad outing for him in a bubble. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Bravik Valera. And not, of course, not because I love Bravik no, the Destroyer. That's the only reason that's, why. That's not it. No, no, really, Scotty, think about it. Okay. He's a utility guy at best. Okay. Right? And he spent the last week proving his utility. His ability to play multiple positions at the major league level, including a heck of a catch in right field from the second base position on Thursday night. Uh, he had a good enough week at the plate, too. He was, uh, well, I mean, it's just 15 plate appearances to judge from, so small sample size, small sample size. Uh, but he had lots of walks, a 20% walk rate against just a 6.7K rate. And, uh, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, 176 weighted runs created plus. This scream to me, Bravik Valera might be a useful 25th guy. And that is the audition that he's on. And he met that audition for at least this week. So he's my good. All right, going to bad. Uh, I'm going to go with David Hess, who's going to be my bad for the week. Uh, he had a four and a third innings pitch this week for uh, one game. One game started. Um, gave up a 6.23 ERA, a 10.30 FIP. Uh, good for a negative 0.2 F war with that one game. So, uh David Hess, we thought he may be of some contribution of some value. Um, doesn't look that way. David Hess, you're you're pretty bad. You're probably close to ugly, but on this team, you're just bad. Scotty, I'm I'm trying to go through my candidates for for the bad this week, and I'm having trouble picking it up. Let's go to the wheel. It's a brand new wheel, by the way, this week. Well constructed, though. Well done. Thank you. All right, we're uh, we're circling there. We got it. Yep. Okay. So the wheel has spoken, and we have DJ Stewart. Well, DJ Stewart, uh, according to the wheel, is bad this week. Let's just take a look and see why. Okay. All right. A uh, a seven point one walk rate against a fourteen point three K rate. That's not you know that's not great. Um. Uh. Let's see. Oh. Oh, oh! His average for this week is is uh, it's zero. His weighted runs created plus for this week is negative uh, eighty five. Oof! He has a woba of point zero four nine, and uh, he did all that in in fourteen plate appearances. Again, but- small sample size, but DJ Stewart has nothing to show for himself. That's Demetrius Stewart, by the way. Why is Demetrius even here if he's going to do this? This is his opportunity to make it to, to make show, to mock show. He we this is the way to get eyes upon you, and this is this is not, not working. Doing out. It. Not that's, doing it whatsoever. That's bad. Absolutely. Uh my ugly is going to go into this whole handling of the Adam Jones situation. Uh the Orioles had an easy job to do where they just needed to put Adam Jones out there and kind of sail him into the sunset and let people come out and pay their respects to him. And they've absolutely bungled the whole situation Um, for an organization that, you know, has constantly had this issue in terms of getting the fan base to um, support the players and, you know, come out there and just enjoy, you know, coming to a game and cheering on the the players that they're used to. Um, The Orioles are doing the exact opposite of this. And, you know, it, it, they've got two weeks to, you know, fix this issue going forward. Um, I certainly hope that every game going forward, that's a home game for the Baltimore Orioles. Adam Jones is out there playing. And I'm going to take one kind of small caveat with you of 
I do hope that Adam Jones gets to patrol center field for at least one more game during that last series where maybe Cedric Mullins ushers Adam Jones over to center field to play for one inning or two. 2001 All-Star Game style. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mullins goes over to right field just for the inning so that Jones can pay one final credence to the Camden Yards faithful before he walks off the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Uh, my ugly this week goes to the starting pitching falling apart and not in the way that you're thinking. I don't even care about the results. It sucks that we're not going to see Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner pitch anymore this year. Um, because again, you like, why are we even, why are we, why are we doing this? Right. Um, Alex Cobb in the recovery he had made in the second half was fun to watch. You look at that and you say, okay, maybe this is a guy for the remaining three years that we have him that won't be a dumpster fire that maybe can turn out, you know, once every, every fifth game, a good game. And you were hoping to see the same thing from Andrew Kashner. And now you're not going to see anything until next year. Um, it's just a bummer. You know, it's really ugly that we're now going to have even more pitchers that don't believe don't belong at the major league level uh, pitching. We're going to have these, you know, starter openers instead of, you know, starting pitchers Um, for a team where the quality of the play on the field was so low to begin with. This just, you know, takes it to a new low. And it's a shame that we're not going to see either of those two guys that we paid a lot of money to get on the team pitch for the remainder of the year. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fun. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a good feel. Tell, tell you what, why don't we when we do this, why don't we dust ourselves off and blow the safe. Scotty, there's no joy in Mudville. Mm-hmm. Baseball has done nothing for us for months. There is something exciting that's happened this week. Okay. My guy Paul McCartney has a number one album on the Billboard charts. First time ever in the U.S. It's his first number one in 36 years. First time U.S. album on the Billboard charts ever. Really? Yeah. In the U.S. Look at you with the facts and the figures. Yeah. That does not surprise me. Have you listened to Egypt Station? I have. What what were your feelings on Egypt Station? Um, Contrived. Not that you're great, but yeah, it's typical McCartney. Were you a fan of his late career renaissance that started with uh, wings? chaos and creation in the backyard? You mean wings? No. Okay. No. Although people say that this this album has a little bit of the wings. Uh, Band on the run? No, no. Just like a anything goes flavor to it. More like a Venus and Mars. Gotcha. I, I have a So Beatle. when Paul started to basically peter out from all the talent that he had when he was with the Beatles. I have a Beatles problem. I'm also a McCartney guy. Uh, it's not a perfect album by any stretch of the imagination, and there are a couple clunkers on it, but it is a, I mean, a I'm good s- effort. You don't want to talk about Ringo and Yoko uh, sitting down in bed this week and uh, talking about that? No, no. No. But if you're interested, it's streaming on Amazon Music. You can listen to it free as a bird. All right. So this is all great that... Paul's got the number one album in the country right now. Great to see. Um, but, Jake, we got to talk. Paul's interview mm. that he had with mm-hmm. with the, with the uh, MPD, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, what the hell is what I'm going to start with? Well, you know, I mean, anybody who hasn't engaged in that kind of activity and yelled you know at Winston Churchill let's just stop. hasn't lived. Let's just stop right here. Jake, I'm going to go ahead and turn the lights off now. In Bird's Eye View Studio. And what we're going to do is um, 
You know what? You as the terrifying. you as the audience member, go ahead and close your eyes too. Unless you're driving, don't do that if you're doing that. But you know, close your eyes. We're going to have a a a, a simultaneous uh, group session here, and we're going to get it all out. So, Jake, I'm going to ask you to shout out an Oriole player name, and then I'll respond back in kind. Okay? This is terrifying. <laughs> Brady Anderson, Robert Andino. Jeff Rebelay. Brad Bergeson. Buck Showalter. Dave Tremblay. Dave Johnson. Kevin Gregg. And, and the erection has been lost. <laughs> Kevin Gregg is our Winston Churchill. By the way, if you did not read that article and have no idea what we're talking about, that's a shame for you. That's a very, very much of a shame. Listen to Egypt Station is actually pretty decent. A lot of, a lot of, of listenable music on that. And from a 76 year old dude, it's, uh, it's passable. Hey, Jake, I think I blew myself. And that is our show. <laughs> Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. <laughs> can't even get it out. I can't. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at You can find us on social media, including Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best place to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at bird's eye view b a l and with that baltimore and beyond i bid you all a fond adieu adieu good night baltimore be safe out there turn the lights down get into a circle and let's go o's what would the tweedles have to say about this that blowing the save got dark <laughs> in a way that <laughs> this few whole, do this whole podcast got dark <laughs> Me a lot of kids listening with their dad saying, Dad, what are they talking about? Nothing, son. It's good, Nothing. clean fun. Nobody got hurt. We'll tell you what happens at the White Album. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.